Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, Invisible Fire, Train Announcement, Top Selling Films and Infectious Adverts. Now, Lippy. Hello. I had Davros on the phone. Did you? Yes, I did. Well, it was on WhatsApp rather than a verbal communication. He was listening to the last podcast in the car. Mm. I got slightly confused about your pronunciation of type A. He heard it as typey. Typey. (laughs) I guess, actually, when you look at the Daleks and Davros, they do overpronounce words. Yes. They are very clear in that respect, so I understand why it caused him some confusion. Mm, and I I am known for talking too fast. Well, yeah, you're and not so bad these days. Jumbling uh, my words. And you have to remember that it is late in the day when we record this. It is, after a full day of work. Exactly, so the odd Which consists is... only of four hours of wedding stuff. <laughs> what, during the day? I, yeah, I'm joking. I work the full eight I hours that I'm keep, meant to work. Keep quiet about that if I was you. Anyway, we've got a whole bunch of topics, and that's the great <laughs> thing about doing this every two weeks, is you've got a massive amount. So we may have enough for this week and a little teaser for next week. We'll see how it pans out. A sneaky little... I don't know what word I was going to use then. No, I don't. Little, no. No, I'm just, I'll just leave it at that. So I saw a very interesting video on one of the socials. And it was Mm. from 1981, and it was a race car. I'm not sure what series it was. It wasn't Formula One. It looks like it might be uh, IndyCar when they're open-wheeled cars. And the car's being run on methanol, which is an interesting fuel, because when it burns, it burns quite hot, but there's no well, the flame is clear and there's no smoke. So on this grainy 1980s video, you're looking at people patting themselves down and running around panicking for no apparent reason. But they are actually on fire, which is really terrifying. Yeah. And if you can't see it, how do you know where to put it out? Exactly. So you've got people with fire extinguishers dousing people almost at random. It is it's terrifying, and I'm surprised it's still used in races. used a lot in drag racing, apparently. Uh, there are some benefits. It's uh, apparently more uh, sustainable fuel than alcohol or uh, obviously dead dinosaurs. There is a trade-off, though, and that, that's quite terrifying. And I'm, I'm not sure I'd want to be around any of those cars, particularly if mm. they went up. So it's a race car called Rick Mears. So if you have a little hunt around the internet, no doubt you're you'll find the video, which is it's sort of funny, but you think about it and you yeah. go, no, this is absolutely terrifying. Stay away from methanol. Definitely. Would be my advice, yes. Definitely. Now, you've had a couple of problems with parking fines. Oh, no. I've, I've had a nightmare with parking fines. And I know I like this. it's definitely not my fault. Well, I know it because you still haven't changed the registration address on your car, so they come here. <laughs> To be perfectly honest, right, it's not that clear that you have to do that. Like, I googled, like, where do I need to change my address? And it came up with my insurance and my driver's license, which I changed both of those. I didn't realise there's like a whole other registration thing that I had to change. Dear, oh dear. 
So I still have, I still need to do that. That's on my Well, to-do you've list. been aware of it for quite some time. Yes. Yes. Um have I received the other one yet? I don't think so. I'm going to have a look at the post. I'm still waiting file. on one. Anyway, we were at a dinner party a few weeks ago. Mm. And there was a taxi driver there, really nice chap that we'll call Bob because that actually that is his name, it's Bob. And he was saying that he does quite a lot of drop-offs at the airports and pickups. Mm. And of course you have to pay a, I think it's a five or a ten pound charge. Five pounds to yeah. do that now. And a mate of his has fitted these so-called 3D number plates on his car, on his taxi, and the cameras can't read the number plate. Now, I didn't think these were legal, but apparently they are completely legal because they're the right font and they're the right spacing. They are simply, uh, they've got some depth to them. So they're like the old-fashioned number plates from the 70s. Now that is a life hack. Well, I'm not suggesting for one minute that you ought to evade uh, parking costs at the local railway station. (laughs) And these may not do that. But I then went down this Mm. rabbit hole of 3D number plates and 4D number plates. And I'm still not sure what the difference is, apart from about a five or a plate. How would you get a 4D number plate? Well, well, how would you have anything other than a 3D plate, is my first question. Mm. But I suppose oh, yeah. the numbers are flat on, on a standard number plate. So they raise the letters up. I think it's a uh, generation thing, a bit like 3G, 4G, 5G in mobile phone terms. Oh, I see. Rather than like concepts of depth and shape. Yes, indeed. I don't think it's not a physics term. Right. Through the magic of the internet, I have looked it up. And the difference <laughs> is 3D plates are made with a gel polyurethane resin. So they have been called gel plates in the past. I have heard oh. them referred to as that. 4D number plates are made of acrylic that is cut and shaped with a laser, giving it the raised appearance. Mm. Obviously, just a bit better. Yeah, it's a bit, bit like the old plates in the 70s where they were 3D letters that were made from plastic and then they punched holes in the number plate to fit the letters. So it was much more labour intensive and then it all faded and looked horrible within a week. <laughs> so hopefully these won't do mm. that. Oh, I've just realised my number plates are pretty dirty. Maybe I haven't got a ticket yet because they didn't actually pick my number plate up. There is a downside to this though. If your car's stolen, it won't be picked mm. up on any number plate reader. Uh, until they've sussed out how to do it, I suppose, and then all sorts of bills and things are going to come through the door. I think I'd rather pay the fiver. I guess it depends if you, how much you're going through it. Yes, I guess so. And I'm yes. not paying a fiver. I'm paying 50 quid or whatever I'm paying for my city Well, if you paid fine. the parking ticket, then you wouldn't be paying the 50 quid. So the fiver is the, is the charge, not the fine. Ah, uh, I see, I see, I see. Bob, the taxi driver, has got... An account set up so it automatically pays. Oh, that's clever. I tried to do that. Oh, I tried to do failed. that and it didn't work. And then they've told me, they have told me I can, I should be able to appeal the next one. Oh, well, I would definitely do that. But then if it doesn't go through, does that mean I have to pay the higher price? Because I haven't done it within 14 uh, days. I wouldn't have thought so, but a phone call would sort that out. 
Yeah, because um, long story short, I set up auto pay and then it didn't auto pay. So I messaged them and they said, auto pay isn't available at that site. And I said, what do you mean? No, nothing came up to say only certain sites available. And as as it has the camera scanners, I would get it if it didn't have the camera scanners because like how would auto pay work? But it has the camera scanners as you go in and out, which is why I'm get I'm definitely getting a ticket because I was scanned yes. in and out. So they know I haven't paid. And they said, Oh well, when you did auto pay, there was a note that came up that said view map of available car parks. And I was like, Oh, you you're joking. Like I'm not meant to realise that that means that if in my mind, that means the majority of them are auto pay well, and a few wouldn't be. There's an assumption on both sides there, but If there's car parks that you expect to park at, it really ought to make it very, very clear. Yes. And it didn't even have, he initially, the the serviceman said, it would have got you to consent that you checked your location. I was like, it definitely didn't ask me to consent that I checked my location. I said that that should be put in though, because if I'd read it like that, I probably would have checked it. Well, it's something simple, such as where do you normally park? Do you have a, a, station you normally park at Mm. and then select the station and it says sorry it's not available at this station yeah that would resolve so many problems so many problems because also they've now not got their money for the ticket that i didn't pay and this other company have got the money for the fine well presumably well it can't be a fine can be a charge it's not a fine oh well, in which case, 3D or 4D plates aren't really going to help, are mm. they? Because all it's no. doing is encouraging you to be a criminal. Yes, and I'm not trying to be a criminal. I'm just forgetful at paying. I'll let you know tomorrow if I'm going to be expecting another car parking ticket. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd ring them and be very nice. <laughs> oh, I normally am. I do, you are. But be very nice and say you're very a bit... Very factual. A bit, I like bit, to be factual. Bit stupid. Always mm. works. Bit of charm. Never hurts. No. That's how I managed to get six free exam tokens at work this week. Very good. Talking of charm, I found a posting about a, the chap in charge of the train station. And um, I, this had echoes of the station I used to go up to London from many, many years ago. And he just doesn't limit himself to announcing the trains that are coming. Mm-hmm. He also comments on interesting birds he sees on the platform. Mm. I assume that's the feathered variety. I would hope so. Commuters. <laughs> <laughs> he gives completely unofficial weather reports on what he thinks the day is going to be like. Refers to the very crowded trains as friendly trains. Not wrong there. Ooh. Regularly congratulates everyone on having gotten up on time on Monday mornings. And basically seems to use the Tannoy system to amuse himself and try and brighten up everybody's morning commute. Oh, how I lovely. I think that's so nice. I like that. Now, the station I went up, uh, to London from this was oh, in the 80s and it was very basic there there was a little hut for the man to check the tickets and to do the announcements mm. and it was a particularly bad morning and um, the, the platforms are absolutely jam-packed with people and the trains are cancelled and delayed and all sorts of, I don't know what was going on anyway he'd obviously had a bit of a day of it with people asking where the trains were so he was in the middle of announcement of a another cancelled or delayed train 
and somebody walked past the box and said to him, why is that then? And he turned around with microphone in hand and said, I don't bleep know. All the bleep trays are up the bleep spout. To which point the whole of the station just erupted in laughter. And everybody calmed right down. And went, oh, well, we're all in this together and it's a bit of fun. Mm. Yes. So hats off to him. But hats off to him. Yes. There is a very lovely person that does the trains. It's on the district line, district and circle line at Victoria. They're always great. Now, talking of great things, proving that we don't just throw this together. If I asked you, what is the most successful film of all time? What would your answer be? And how would you rate it? Film of mm. all time? Mm, I reckon it's in my mind it would be a Marvel film interesting because they have such a huge fan base um, and I always forget what it's called but the 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 last Avengers one that would have been huge was it Endgame last the one yeah it's pretty high so we generally take success to mean box office returns so the amount yep. that was taken at the box office for a particular film. And mm. Avengers Endgame is $2,798 million. That was the worldwide gross, which puts it at wow. number two. Number one is Avatar with $2,923 million. Wow. Yes, the first one. But is that a good way of looking at it? Because if you think about it, the as we go in in time with inflation, films are yeah. generally going to take more and more. So interesting, Avatar is from 2009. So that's quite a long time ago relative to the second one, which was 10 years later. So yeah. sometimes what they do is they adjust for inflation. And when you do that, things change a bit. So the original Star Wars from the 1970s appears as number three. And you've got films like The Exorcist, which was phenomenally popular when it came out. The original Jaws, E.T. So all of those are up in sort of the top 10. Yeah, I guess because although they took less, they didn't take less. It would have been cheaper to buy a cinema ticket. That's why they took less. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely Mm. right. Avatar's still up at the top, which is quite an achievement. But there's another way of looking at it, and that is return on investment. So how much did the film cost to how much did you get back at the box office? And this really throws things all over the place. It's, uh, it's, it's absolutely bizarre. So I'm not going to ask you to guess because it's just, just going to be so impossible. But the <laughs> highest return for a film with, uh, 7,375% of the cost recovered through the box office is my big fat Greek wedding. What? <laughs> Who I would have thought? That film. I know it's crazy, isn't it? I've, I've heard it's good though. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. I think they're doing uh, a third one. I didn't know they've done a second one. Yeah, they've definitely done two, and okay. I'm sure I heard they're doing a third one. And then pretty high up with those is E.T., Grease, Jaws, The Exorcist. So they were obviously much cheaper to make. Jaws really was a B movie. It's yeah. uh, no way they knew it was going to be the success that it was. And then odd films like Crocodile Dundee, Pretty Woman, Home Alone. Oh, I love Pretty Woman. I'm watching, yeah. I'm watching that at the moment. All good, good films, which uh, gave a amazing return at the uh, box office. So maybe this is quite a good way of finding films to watch. Yes. 
Will you be watching my big fat Greek wedding? I think I might do. Now, we cover a few green things and climate-beating ideas on this podcast, yes. which we're very mm-hmm. pleased to do. And there's been a couple that have crossed my, my face, as it were, over the last few weeks. It's crossed your eyes. Crossed my eyes, yes. And uh, you may not know, but concrete is, is dreadful in terms of uh, its effect on the environment. It uses a lot of electricity and mm-hmm. power to make and it's just not very good at all however there's a uh, company that says they've managed to trap the co2 that's generated from making it back into the concrete oh so, that's good which is interesting and i don't quite know how this works because it's Would very very technical there's more air pockets in concrete now. That I don't know. I am not a concrete expert by Which would any stretch of the imagination. I have mixed quite a lot of it in my youth, helping <laughs> dad build various things. But I, I would, I'm definitely not an expert. So the key now is to scale this thing up. It's all well and good mm. making a small cube of it, but you've got to make a lot of it. So we would definitely keep an eye on that and see how that... Uh, that transpires and it was interesting watching ski sunday on sunday obviously Mm -hmm. and uh, they were talking about climate change and the effect this year uh, on the slopes and things like that and you go to a ski resort and you see how much concrete is used in the making of a ski resort Mm -hmm. so it's it's a tricky one really so if you could reduce that amount then um, maybe it's a it's a a good thing it's a very good thing and the other thing I came across completely by accident, uh, batteries made using hemp, which is obviously something that other people Naughty. may may roll up and smoke. <laughs> That's interesting, though. Yes, and it replaces the cobalt in batteries, and I think it's nickel as well, uh, which are both rare materials and very difficult to mine. So, it's mm. again, it's labour and fuel-intensive to get those substances into the batteries, which makes them expensive. Yes. And uh, hemp's relatively easy to to grow and then to use. The advantage is the battery is lighter. How do you know it's easy to grow? Well, it's going to be easier <laughs> to grow than dig cobalt out of a mine. <laughs> has to be. True, true, true. Uh, yes, talking of which, a very large hemp factory was found in Wareham in Dorset a, a while oh, back. Yes, it was. Yes, wasn't yes. It? So I assume they were making batteries. They're making batteries. So. I feel like that would be a hilarious like storyline. Someone, you know, when it snows and those people say, "Oh, you can tell who's using their attic yes. for something naughty because no snows." Yeah. If the police came knocking on your door and you just went, "Oh, it's for a battery." <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe you can get away with it now. It's research and development mm. for a battery. There was a house in the village some years ago that mm. um, had a whole load of flies in the window and uh, somebody walking past had seen it for a couple of days and begin to wonder whether somebody had passed away inside. So they called the police who knocked down the door who were greeted by this sort of wall of heat coming yeah. out of the... and quite a few plants for making batteries. Yes. And no... No dead bodies. Anyway, these new batteries, they reckon, will do 100,000 miles in an electric vehicle. That's good. And I think it said it was quicker to charge as well. I might be wrong on that. But that, to me, is the most important thing. Yes. Is is how do we charge all this stuff? Because we Mm. don't have enough power to go around and it's 
expensive. And somebody I know who's just bought an electric car did quite a long trip, and he said it cost me about as much as it would in petrol, uh, but it added three hours to my journey. So I'm not it's actually, not actually that. worth it. <laughs> well, yeah. it's not actually that that enamoured with the whole thing. So. Uh, Sometimes it starts that way and gets better. Now, while we were at the dinner party with Bob the taxi driver, he was, for some reason, talking about the new McDonald's advert, which I had seen and didn't understand. For the McCrispy. I don't know what it's for, but it's set in an office. And I think one lady passes another lady uh, a post-it note with an M on it, and then raises her eyebrows. And he said, oh, it took me ages to realise they were making the McDonald's sign with it. And I looked at him and went, oh, yeah, hadn't crossed my mind whatsoever. He yeah. said, that advert seems to be on constantly. And I don't watch the television very but, much, but every time it comes on. Yeah, someone who likes a McDonald's, myself, I knew. As soon as she passed the note, I, I literally turned to Duck Boy and went, this is about McDonald's. It's a McDonald's advert. I'm not sure that's a talent worth broadcasting. Well, no, but I still knew it. <laughs> Yes, you did. You did know it. I would win if it was a quiz question and they played the advert. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's very true. But now we found you can't have a conversation without raising your eyebrows. It's so infectious. It's Yeah, you see, you're doing it now. You can't help yourself. I do. I raise my eyebrows quite a lot. In surprise. I've always wanted to be able to do the thing from the Cadbury's advert. Or eat a flake ago. in a bath. No, do you remember the two, the boy and the girl, children, that it was like, do, 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 you not remember the advert? No. With the eyebrows? No, the only Cabri's advert I remember is the one with the gorilla playing the drums. I'm going to send you the eyebrow one because it's really cool. trying to do it. It's like, do, do. It's like alternate eyebrows. They're basically, it sounds like they're doing Irish style dancing, but with their eyebrows. No, I have no recollection of that well, whatsoever. Well, I'll send it to you because it is very, a very good <laughs> advert. That must be a while ago then. Yeah, yeah, years ago. Better than the, um, the McDonald eyebrows, because that's just up and down. But these are like moving individually from each other and they do the worm with their eyebrows. It's really cool. So how come you can remember the intricacies of a Cabris advert from probably 15 years ago, but not that you had to change your address on your V5? It's not that I didn't remember that. I didn't know I had to do that. And I just haven't done it now. Ignorance is no defence. Oh, no, I'm just saying, though, that if I had known, it wouldn't be... A, it's not that I didn't remember. It's that I didn't know I needed to do it. That's why I can remember the Cabris advert. And also, the Cadbury's advert is way more interesting than remembering to change my That's very true. My that, is, that is true. <laughs> it's the whole point of an advert, isn't it? <laughs> it is true, but the advert's unlikely to lend you, land you with a fine. Do I get a fine for that? Well, if they work out, you've not... The thing is, what I don't understand is that you've sent your licence in, driving licence in for yeah. dress change, and they must connect you with your car, and they just go, well, hang on a minute, why is this not changed? Or why can't they just do it all in the same form? You change your driver's well, license and your car address at yeah, the same time. Maybe they're not linked. But DVLA are very good at sending out snotty notes. Mm-hmm. The Horse Whisperer had an issue where she had a new insurance company, which I think you had as well, that turned out oh, to be an absolute nightmare. And they didn't put the full registration number in. It only mm-hmm. had... I think the first, oh yeah, it was the first letter 
and then the three numbers, and that's all they put in. And she kept getting letters from the DVLA saying, you're not insured. So she phoned up the insurance company and say, I'm getting these letters say I'm not insured. Oh, no, you are insured. And it was only when the last one was threatening a fine. I looked and it went, well, the registration number's not complete. They've missed off the letters at the end. And, uh, and then there was a very fraught phone call with the insurance company. Mm. And um, they actually backdated the insurance to the when it was taken out with the correct registration number, so problem went away. But Good. how on earth did they manage to broker insurance on a vehicle that doesn't exist? Who knows? <sighs> they were a nightmare. So the way that they get you to enter your when you passed your driver's license is like really dumb. Like it's not that you don't enter the date; you enter a range. Oh, really? Yeah, so then I entered the range and then they said my range was out, like I was it was wrong, and then they tried to charge me to che- to change it because it was wrong and I was like, "Well, that's your fault that it's wrong, not mine. You you made up the date based on the range I entered, which is yes. the only thing I yes. could do on your website." I was like, "Obviously it's wrong because you made it up." Yeah. Oh, they like charging for everything. Mm. But I suppose it's cheap. I mean, my the insurance for the mini was £74 fully comp for the year. Is that Have you used those people that Charlotte and I had used? No, no, no. This oh, is right, a, I was going to say. No, this is a specialist classic car insurer. Oh, that's nice. Mine's still like £400. And the Volvo was just over 100 God, and, I can't wait to be old. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mentioned in the last episode, I recommissioned my turntable of some 30 yes, years ago. you did. And I bought a record cleaner. And I, I didn't buy the three and a half thousand pound degritter, which I really quite fancied. And mm. ended up buying a thirty pound one, which is manual, which is fine. Although people have reported getting cuts from the edge of the vinyl where it's really sharp, so you have to be a wee bit careful. Uh, but I tend to use a cloth, so I don't got my grubby mm. paw prints all over it. Anyway, so I've, I've cleaned some of them, and I found another load in the loft at the weekend, so I'm very pleased with that. And. Uh, couple of things that have come out of this one is the records are really dirty and they reckon you can do 50 uh, records from one mix of the solution which is distilled water and some cleaning solution and it really was quite quite dirty when i emptied that away having done around about 50 and some great big chunks of dust as well it's incredible and one of the records I'd had, which I may have bought secondhand, but it's always had a crack and a pop in one particular place to the point where when I play it in my head, I play you the crack and the it. pop. Of the, yeah, exactly. Mm. And it was, it was the first disc I ever converted to uh, digital and took out the cracks and pops. I remember that quite clearly. Anyway, so I put this through the cleaner and it's still got a few cracks and pops, but it hasn't got that one anymore, the big one. Which is really impressive. Yes, very impressive. Anyway, as I'm doing this, there's a website called Discogs, which is a bit like eBay for records and CDs and all sorts of different forms of physical music. And you can create a collection on there of what you've got. And you think that would be quite easy. But, for example, I've got a copy of Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. And you go on there, and there's about 15 different versions and pressings all around that year, 1973. The first pressings are worth somewhere in the region of £2,500. And unfortunately, I don't have one of those. But 
it, it's interesting to see how many different elements it takes to release or to, to release a record back then. And there's, you know, so there's half a dozen different pressings. There's different mm. combinations of sleeves and innards. I mean, to the point wow. where the inner uh, bag, you can differentiate differentiate different versions, but whether it's a straight cut on the corners or a curved cut. I just think there's so much it's complexity. Mad. It is. It so is utterly much detail. Mad. So much detail that somebody has collected, you know, over the mm. years, collaboration of people. But it just goes to show how big the music industry was back then in terms yeah. of, of actually producing physical music. Uh, it's absolutely astonishing. Really, um, really quite astonishing. And one of the other things is sometimes they'll get mistakes. So there might be a printing error on the the um, uh, on the cover, or they may print. A, in some cases, they actually put a different record completely on one side of the vinyl, so you get one side you're expecting, and then something else. And there's yeah, you know, there's a few of these around. Anyway, I had a copy of Jethro Tull bursting out, which was a live album, and I went to look it up, and it went misprint. On the spine, it says busting out. And I thought, yes, here we are. <laughs> We're on the money. No, because every one they produced was like that. Oh, no. They didn't correct it. They all say busting out on the side. Busting out. That's actually the quite one funny. Ch- yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I would change that. I'd be like, yeah, that's funny. I'll take it. <laughs> no, well, the interesting thing is on the front cover is a picture of Ian Anderson, uh, who's the uh, lead for Jethro Tull and he is having a bit of a trouser failure moment which I suspect oh. is why it's called bursting out it's only a very small one but it's very mm. noticeable is he bursting out or does he look more like he's busting out well who knows could be either could <laughs> will be either but I suspect that's why that album's called that because they don't have a track called bursting out uh, talking of records the uh, Screaming Tomato is still ploughing through his uh, one uh, track per day for this year and there's been some absolutely corking tracks on there so well done Screaming Tomato that's that's a quite an effort to do that 365 so uh, keep it up and he's also made a Spotify playlist as well which is quite good so I can listen to them as well They're very good now one of the groups I uh, subscribe to on Facebook is the Dull Men's Club which Actually, is far from being dull, and I'll <laughs> and I'll explain this one. This is this is brilliant. So, I if I have a pack of M and M's, I like to hold two M and M's between my fingers and squeeze them until one cracks. I eat or set aside the cracked one, and the one that didn't crack becomes a champion. Then I get another one and force it to compete <laughs> with the current champion in this deadly game of M M&M and M gladiators. I do this until there is the last one standing. Then I send a letter to M&M Mars, the manufacturer, with a carefully worded wrapping around the winning M&M and a note that reads, please use this M&M for breeding purposes. (laughs) So far, I do not think they've taken my work seriously. (laughs) I I really hope that's true. That's That's so funny. Well, the problem is you post this and lots of people go, oh, what a good idea. And then Mars are inundated with yeah. uh, champion M&Ms. And, well, presumably you didn't have a champion M&M off before you breed them. Anyway. I like it. Now, I've um, I've decided to have a, a another segment in our podcast, which won't mm. be every week. But I'm going to call it Evil Prank Corner. 
I like it. Now, I'm not sure where I saw this, uh, but it it tickled me. So my mum's laptop wallpaper was a picture of her granddaughter. Not unusual. I copied the picture a hundred times and made her wallpaper a slideshow of the same picture over and over again. So the file would change, but nothing would change visibly on the monitor. Mm. The picture would change every 10 seconds or so. On one of the images, I painted a tiny little curly moustache on her granddaughter. Randomly, for 10 seconds, my niece would have a moustache. My mum thought she was either losing her mind or had a computer virus, and every time the moustache popped up, it was gone by the time she tried to show anyone. (laughs) That's so good. The only downside with this is it's a very funny prank, but if the the mum then went to somebody else and said, I've got this problem, it keeps doing this – how on earth are you going to find it? Unless you have no. the foresight to think, oh, I wonder if it's a slideshow. Well, I'm sh- I'm sure they would look at what settings the wallpaper was on. Would you think of doing that? I don't know. No, it's, it's interesting. I, there was a, a chap around the corner for us, one of the members of the Lions Club, who sadly passed away a few years back. And I get a phone call from him every now and then. He says, um, something on my computer, it's, not, it's just not working properly. Goes, oh, I tell you, I'll be... I'll Pop, pop round tomorrow. So pop round and you fire the computer up and I'd stick some antivirus software on there. And there'd be something like two and a half thousand pieces of spyware or malware on there. And I could so what are you doing? What are you doing? But well I only do um I only do some word stuff and, and look at the internet. Yeah, Tony, but what are you looking at on the internet? Well just news websites. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. <laughs> And that happened oh, a couple of times a year, I would have mm. said. Uh, yes, I know that problem very well indeed. So I know you've got a top tip for us because you uh, shared it with me earlier. And it's I a did. corker. It was cracking. I love a bit of TikTok. And it started off, and I love these videos because like, I always le- I tend to learn the thing that they've just learned. And it's like, I was in my, and then they say the age, when I learn. And this guy said I was in my 30s when I learnt you can use the back of the hammer to hold the first the hold the nail on the first hit or something along those lines and I was like what that doesn't make any sense because the back of a hammer is like where you can pull a nail out because it's got well, the two I think well no hang on a bit you need to clarify this because there are many sorts of hammers so the hammer yes. you're talking about is a claw hammer a claw ham- hammer yes well, that's something else I've learnt Oh, yes, yes, I did know that, actually, because it's like a mallet and a claw hammer. Yes. There's many so on hands. a claw hammer, the hammer holds the nail for the first hit. So where the little groovy bit is, you can slide the nail in so it's holding the nail. And then when you bash the wall, it then goes in far enough so the nail's gone in to then hammer further. So you don't have to hold hold it with your fingers with the chance of your knocking your thumb you don't have to hold it with a very high chance of hitting your thumb extremely high chance if you're me or yes. you yes now i'm considerably older than in my 30s and that's the first time i've seen that and it is genius it utter, was genius, genius. and yeah. it looked so easy some of it would depend on what you were putting it into so if you were putting a nail into a masonry nail into a wall i'm not sure you'd get away with it um, no. But certainly a nail into timber, that's, that's yeah, a brilliant idea. it worked so well. Yeah. I'd like to try it. need to find mm. um, an excuse to use that. But yes. I, that is really is a top tip. That is a great top tip for once. Now, I've got a very short fact for this week. Fun fact for this week. 
and it involves the Bond film Skyfall from 2012. Mm-hmm. And at the end of Skyfall, M, who passed away at the end of that, well, that particular M, uh, M's name is revealed to be Olivia Mansfield. Hmm. Know that? I didn't know that either. No. I might have to rewatch it now. We could just watch the very end of it. No, I might as well. I like Skyfall. Might as well watch the whole thing. And I don't think M stands for man's... No. That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.